0: So, I uh, caught an Uber the other day and the driver was uh, a guy who's just recently moved to Toronto from Kerala, which is a state in India. So, he was asking me... So, I was telling him, hey, if you've just moved to Toronto, you know, you've just been here two years, you can still up and move. You haven't bought a house yet, have you? And he said, no. So, he's asked me, well, where, where, what's the city you'd recommend? And, you know, we got into this discussion about... All sorts of things because I'm always a person who says you know go east, Moncton, New Brunswick, Fredericton, New Brunswick, basically any place in New Brunswick. If you want big cities, those are the big cities, and you know, or you can go to Halifax, but it's colder. But go east if you want a better, if you want to live life better, all right, uh, a higher quality of life. So then he was he's kind of like you know whatever listening, but then he was like okay so how about Toronto? What's what's good areas in Toronto to live? And I said, Well what do you determine as good? And he said, Well, you know, good schools. I said good schools, um not really a, you know, like good schools for for the kids, right? He wasn't talking about university, he's just young kids. I said good schools are not really uh you know, determined by well the education you get from schools. A school can't be really good compared to another school in Toronto, because everything is standardized. The, the quality of the teaching is exactly the same and the curriculum is the same. So a school is good depending on whether or not the students there decide to study or not. And so Scarborough, for example, which is comprised of a higher number of, like, say, people of color, right, who've emigrated from a place like India and Sri Lanka, uh, have students whose parents are very, very kind of like strict on, you know, education, education, education. It may not be whatever, but it's like, you know, there's that uh, silly thing where you go and just repeat stuff. It's, it's, it's these like private schools, but they're like, what do you call them? After school, you send the kid there, Kumon, right? And then all he does is, you know, 300 more questions on the same questions that he learned in a chapter, you know, last week. And then basically he gets ninety percent. So schools in Scarborough, for example, like Woburn Collegiate, if you're familiar with Toronto, Thompson, David and Mary Thompson and things like that have honest, uh what do you call it? they have those gifted programs and things like that. Not because the school's better, but because the there's a higher number of children whose parents are very strict on me you know ensuring that they get that basic education because it's not really a, it's not an education that you're receiving you're just learning how to like you know process daily activities right it's only when you get into university that you actually start learning for yourself so that's receiving an education here you're just getting skills to help you fit into society you know how to like add or tell a guy like you you didn't you know put in enough change when you dropped something in the bus or whatever it is right basic you learn up to grade 13 so education i would say there's no better place for schooling just depends on how your kid is he might be going to class and there's gangsters in the class or kids who don't want to learn it's his choice he's not being forced to stay with them after school it's not you know they're not the only people so his choice to study and do well his choice to flunk out and get into drugs even if he's in a rich area, or his choice to get into gangs if he's in a poor area. Then we got into safety, which is a safer neighborhood. From eating so I have, you wanna know how do you value how do you feel safer? And how do you feel safer in the neighborhood? Huh? you feel safer in the neighborhood because there's more police driving around in the neighborhood. There's bigger walls, right? Houses with way better security systems, may, way more valuable things there are owned by richer people in rich neighbourhoods in Toronto, rich being the value of the home, all right? That's a rich neighbourhood and it's usually related to the income of the owners. Those neighbourhoods feel safe to people who don't really know what safety is. They just want the feeling of safety because they're trying to protect themselves and then they pay their property taxes which are much higher than the ones we pay in scarborough for a police force And the police forces obviously to serve and protect property the more you own the more you can contribute to the city and the more they will give you the services so they will give you more police the minute you pick up the phone and say blah blah they'll be at the door if i used to work you know in certain areas and i'll park my car there but i'll be doing work before i went into a house in a rich area like forest hill but because i'm a brown guy right let's say well i'm sitting in a car that's like a honda Accord at that time i was driving and looks like it doesn't belong there it's kind of a different setup with rims and you know tints that obviously are more ghetto or urban in like two minutes a cop drives by next to me and says hey how are you well, good. Well, we just got a call from a neighbor saying that they know it's a strange car, so i just drop by to check on you. Right? Maybe or maybe not. Either way, his job is just to get to make sure that the people, they, the people who live in the neighborhood, get what they pay for, which is a feeling of safety. But to me, a safer neighborhood is a neighborhood where the neighbors take care of each other and watch out for each other. They're there in times of stress you know when you're going through a hard time they come and sit with you right they're more than just neighborly as in high over the fence they actually help each other who think about you care about you you know there's a lot of things in scarborough in malvern where i live when we take care of each other because really we don't change the police providing any safety Making us feel safe Because the police Usually target The community That people come from Right Right Because they Because they're trying to stop Property crime Right Which is More of of survival Or the need for food In here When a guy commits a crime Than a guy say Stealing 200 million From a fucking You know A bitcoin venture Or bullshit That they do down in the white collar areas, but those guys pay for the police and the police protect them. So we protect ourselves. So I feel that Scarborough is much more safer, all right? Because really, a safer neighborhood is a neighborhood where everyone watches out for each other. If you don't have the keys to your house, you can knock on your neighbor's door and you can sit in his house, all right? And feel like you're not just sitting on tiptoes or... You know, a person may say, hey, sure, and then just watch you. Oh, neighbors are like, yeah, of course, bro, blah, blah, blah. Well, okay, what happened? Let me drop you off here. Let me drive you to, 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 to your wife's place so you can pick up the car. That's a safer neighborhood for me because it's a neighborhood where I can talk to my neighbors if there's a problem. Not rely on the police and then live behind walls. That's, that's you're paying for the feeling of safety. And really, who's really out to get you? People in the poor neighborhoods have more risk from, like, crime. But yet, we are not in, we are not criminals. We feel safe, and we don't need the police. The police can't really actually do anything when your safety is really threatened. If someone is out to get you, it doesn't matter where you live or how often the police drive past your house, you're going to get murdered because you did something to somebody and they're looking to murder you, right? and. Your feeling of safety or your likelihood of being safe will not change regardless of whether you live in my neighborhood, where there's police coming in every three days to drive by. You're still going to get murdered at the end of the week. Or if you live in Forest Hill, where the police roll in every two minutes, you're still going to get murdered at the end of the week. So, having big walls and a feeling of security is just because you want to protect your wealth. Because why? You feel you're entitled to it. If you're entitled to it, you will need to protect it. With such defensive kind of setups like hiring a private police force called the police to protect your assets or building walls. If you've got that stuff, just working hard, no one's going to try and take it away from you. Or you shouldn't be feeling like someone's going to try and work take it away from you. Because hell, it's yours. And you can get it if you lose it. Right? And most people don't even value that shit. It's only people who need those things to feel safe. So people who need the police to feel safe also need a big house to feel that other people look at them as if they've achieved something. It's not really that they need the big house. Because they wanted the space. Because they have 800 cats. They want the big house to show the world that they're successful. Because they don't really feel successful. A successful person just buy a small house if he likes sailing and then buy a yacht. Why do you need a 10,000 square foot house? What do you do with that house? Is it a hobby? What do you need it for? Nothing. You just needed to feel like you've got something. You really had really got it out of your own graft. You got it out of connections. You got it out of wealth passed down, generational wealth, right? Hookups. You got it because your dad was on the board of governors for the University of Toronto, and so you got into the medical program there, and you became a doctor, Right? That will always be with you in the back. And so you will need the police to protect everything you've earned. Because you really don't deserve it. (laughs) Right? Go to New Brunswick. Right? People uh, feel very safe and they leave their doors open. Right? Right? But someone will say, oh, but the the level of crime statistics are higher in Toronto than New Brunswick. Yeah, because there's more people here. And people engage in crime more because they have the want for it because they're surrounded by this feeling of inadequacy when they don't have something. Whereas in New Brunswick, people don't care. You Walk into a guy's house and he's got a 20-inch TV and I'm like, wow, I haven't seen one of these in Toronto in 10 years. And he's like, well, I haven't turned it on in 10 years because I'm outside fishing. Right? There you go. Right? There's nothing to take in his house because he doesn't value it more than what it is. Four walls and a roof. and Then he lives his life. So safer neighborhood is how you... Yep. Feel about yourself, how you gauge safety. If you need the cops to protect you, then you're really not safe in your neighborhood because you live there, (laughs) right? And your feeling of unsafeness is the reason why you have more police there. If a neighborhood is truly safe, they don't even need police to roll by every two minutes because if a car parks outside my house, right, a cop doesn't get called or roll by every two minutes. My neighbor goes up and goes, Hey, you waiting for this guy? What are you doing here? Oh, okay, cool. Or, they say, dude. They haven't given me a reason to be in here, so. Fuck off out of here. Or what'll happen is someone's gonna show up. Right? Because there's other people that are quite dangerous in this neighborhood. That don't like fucking suspicious people. And then that person will like, oh God. Criminals, no. We're taking care of our neighborhood. And even if we're drug dealers, what are we doing that's any different than what the original founders did when they arrived here? I didn't murder any Indians or competitive fur traders and then become the Hudson's Bay Company and then run around all legit. One of the richest Canadian families is oh, all the guys that used to own uh, Seagrams, right? I can't remember their family name, but I met one of them. They live in urban Forest Hill. They have chauffeurs, they own property, right? How did Seagrams start off? The Bronfman family, right? They, in the 1920s, were the dirtiest motherfuckers. They lived in a house... Or lived in, in quarters that was divided up into rooming quarters. Or their location was what is now in Toronto on Lakeshore Boulevard or Lakeshore Drive near Islington. So in between Islington Avenue and Park Lawn on the south side, you can look it up. It's the currently that that house that was originally where the Seagram's family guys, the the, the original guys were the criminals of that family, right, were living in the 20s or whatever, right, is now the Polish Embassy in Toronto. So if you look up the address for the Polish Embassy in Toronto, right, the original or well, the people that used to live there in that building in the 20s, right, and that, that, that house now or that building consulate backs onto Lake Ontario, right, so the Bronfman family, and in the 20s, when liquor was illegal in the United States, prohibition, they're just a bunch of fucking uneducated losers, right, and they were hoodlums and crooks and criminals, they used to row their boats across Lake Ontario, right, from Toronto into Buff Buffalo, New York, right, and then, that's how they made their money, their fortune. Now, the Brownfield family today, well, they're still in shit, but, you know, they own Seagrams. They're highfalutin dudes, right? So what's the difference, (laughs) right, between the drug dealers in my neighborhood? At least the drug dealers in my neighborhood watch out for their neighbors, too. Right? So Scarborough, safest place in Toronto. Any place that has immigrants and poor people and less police are the truly safer neighborhoods. Place with... More police and high security and high value are unsafe neighborhoods because the people in there feel unsafe. That's why they request so much protection and have those walls. That's how I look at what's a safe neighborhood. the fuck? Why is it safe? (laughs) I have no problem walking down the street in my neighborhood and there's hoodlums and people who rob people in broad daylight or the middle of the night, stab people, right? I still get, I still have no problem. They go about their business. They know I live here. You know how many people, for example, Peter Monk, who's the head of Barry Gold, it's like one of the, the largest single donation to the East York General Hospital in, in Toronto. It was made by Peter Monk. Right. And everyone's like, what a philanthropist, like a Bill Gates. Ha! The Peter Monk wing. Peter Monk is the owner of Barrick Gold Corporation, right? They've just been involved in the murder, pr- alleged, but probably, right? The group that murdered the Tanzanian president. Also, Barrick Gold was Briex, right? Originally, looking to the Briex scandal in Indonesia and how they murdered a guy who basically just wanted to tell the truth about how they were faking Uh, you know, gold finding and core samples, right? Peter Monk. He's a rich, rich guy, but he's a murderer. And he murders, not like the drug dealers in my neighborhood murder for survival or because they just have to, right? Because otherwise they'd get murdered. He just murders so he can get more property or a bigger house. He just murdered because he just wants access to zinc in Tanzania, which is what the original pr- president said. Fuck off to them. All foreign, multinational corporations mining in Tanzania because zinc value is going to go up. They all started to come and try to get into Tanzania. And he said fuck off to them. And then he apparently died of COVID. Well, disappeared, came back, was sick with COVID and then died. And then the little... You know, they have installed their puppet. So fuck, Peter Monk lives in Forest Hill. That's an unsafe neighborhood because that guy's a mass murderer. The Bronfmans live in Forest Hill. They're fucking murderers, pigs, and fucking dirty bastards. All right, so safe neighborhood is Scarborough, Malvern. The one with the highest homicide rates. The highest crime, according to all the, all the bitches who fucking need the police. That crime is not real crime. All right police are like oh so many murders in malvin you need us right then where are you not protecting us you haven't stopped the murders right they still take the money and service the rich meanwhile you know peter monk's murdering like anyone who gets in his way from getting access to mines in congo who knows how many people have just been murdered just for just you know trying to do their people good by these guys that's not a safe person someone who just murders out of greed right I wouldn't trust him. Someone who murders because he has to is a person who murdered because he has to. Not because he wanted more shit. That's, yeah, my little rant for the day. And there you go. Hey, I hope uh, I actually made sense in that last bit. That was kind of on the run. But I was thinking more about, uh, you know, what I was saying. And um, there's... This one, well, a couple of experiences I've had with people who are wealthy. I used to be in a career, right? Hopefully, people don't recognize or figure my identity, but I used to, for about ten years, do uh, real estate appraisals, so mortgage valuation. So I would go in and inspect homes, right, owned by people who were looking to refinance their mortgage or take out a loan against their home so i would go in and appraise the house and determine its market value and i did that for 10 years right working as a kind of an independent contractor with a company that used to uh, you know have an approved appraisal appraiser uh, in that company approved appraiser by one of the banks so predominantly I would work for Royal Bank and TD Canada Trust most of the time as well as Meridian Credit Union and a couple of other ones called Turner Savings but most of my work was with the Royal Bank and the person I worked for was old-school kind of like an old money guy connection so he was his company, so basically he was the, the co-signer on the reports I would send in. Um, his company was approved by this department in the Royal Bank servicing the, the, the uber wealthy. So it was called uh, Global Private Banking. So people who had their mortgages or accounts with the Royal Bank in that Global Private Banking, you know, uh, or listed as their accounts were managed by the Global Private Banking Branch. Right? They uh, were very selective about the appraisal companies they used. Right? Uh, but I ended up being lucky and working for this guy who was one of the companies that was approved there. So I got to see some very, very expensive homes. Um, and, oh, hold on, let me blow my nose. It was quite a winter out there. I'm stopping right now and actually no, you what? Let me do a billboard and blow my nose if I can find a book of Kleenex. But I won't put it away because it's it's real real freaking real clogged up. Thank you. Nah, that's professional. You like that, eh? This, this podcast is being recorded on a Samsung Galaxy S8. <sighs> It's like ten years old, on with no microphone in my hand. Uh, at uh, twelve fifteen a.m. on uh, let's see, what is it, December the twenty-fourth? Hey, the day before Christmas. My tool was to me, and it's at eleven percent battery. So yeah. Anyways, so I don't know why I'm slowing down. Now. So I got to see a lot of homes, and you know, and, and let me tell you, out of all the homes I saw, so. I would appraise homes in Forest Hill, Rosedale, or, oh, uh, you know, uh, real selective neighborhoods. Like, um, there's an area called... Oh, man, there's an area in, 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 in the middle of Greektown that's called Plater Estates. Like, just one roundabout with ultra-rich homes. The Beaches neighborhoods, which one street would be, like, very favorable. So Brook Street in the Beaches area, which is, you know, south of Queen, and those streets are just north-south streets that end at the lake um in the east eastern part of the toronto just before you get into what was uh what is you know the division between scarborough and toronto it's the beaches area like falling brick road is known as a lawyer's road a lot of lawyers live there but the beaches also had a big termite problem so the valuation of homes were like weird you know one street is just ultra rich the other street is just just a mess but you know uh, yeah, my lawyer lives in that area, around that. Area, but I won't tell you who and where. Well, I shouldn't call him my lawyer. He's just everybody's lawyer. You know, anyone who's, uh, you know, being accused uh, unfairly of uh, engaging in some sort of criminal activity in Toronto, he, he's he's helpful. He represents us, the 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 innocent, the the the. The the ones who are called guilty, but are really innocent. But really are guilty. But can afford a lawyer who can get you out of it. Because money is, is the thing that removes the blindness from that lady. Justice all the skills. Anyways, so Toronto has some weird weird areas. which But, you know, predominantly what well-known areas are around. Bathurst Street. Predominantly Jewish neighborhoods. Lawrence, Bathurst and Lawrence. And of course, the richest to the richest area in Toronto, like ultra and huge homes on custom lots is bridal path and and uh, post road you know, right so it's called i don't know what's called the bridal path area, so Prince had a house there, and I appraised the house that was actually i think I, I haven't even looked into it, but I appraised the house, and then I watched a movie red. Red or red to actually red, and there's a part in red where the the guy who works for the CIA, the guy who's hunting uh, Bruce Willis's character, you know the, the, the handsome guy who was also in was uh, also one of those weird aliens, the necromancers in the second Reddit movie or well, whatever so there's a scene in red where you're introduced to to the to the, 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 the good the bad guy who is actually a good guy but just dutiful and you know. Blinders on Works for the CIA Takes instructions You know The gimp Like a US soldier <laughs> Fighting someone else's war There's a part where this guy You know It opens up with a scene And I think he's in a washroom And he's talking on the phone With someone about Just some nonchalant stuff Then You realize he's like Taking um, Out of a, like a plastic bag That he's carrying You know With, with uh, Forceps or tweezers He's taking out Little p- pieces of Like little hair right cut off like you know one or two strands of hair out of the bag and then he's putting it into a hairbrush that's on the counter of the washroom putting some all of that those hairs into the drains of the shower and then he walks into the to the living room and there's a guy there with a noose around his neck uh you know on tiptoes uh you know but you know basically just using his tiptoes to stay alive and he's, you know, all uh, bound and basically a suicide note for him. So this that guy basically, you know, pretends like, you know, murders him and then fakes it. That scene in that house, when it, when it starts to see glass and stuff, I'm like, whoa, I know this house. And that house is 95% chance is in forest, in, in the bridal path area on Bridal Path Road or Forest Hill, and I actually appraised that house once. Because I was like, I've been in that house. This is crazy. But then I didn't really care. So, you know, I've been to places, people. I've seen things. And out of all the homes that I've seen, I think there's only been one or two homes in Toronto that stand out as truly custom. The rest are not custom. They just have custom finishes. Like, they have... Granite, the most expensive granite countertops, the most expensive hardwood floor, the most expensive window treatments, or like Hunter Douglas windows, or the most, or they have uh, slate roofing instead of thing. But they're not really custom homes. They still, you know, they still follow a a floor plan that's pretty, you know, standard in the um, big homes. You walk in the center door on the right hand side, there's usually a formal living room. Next room up is, is the formal dining room, right? On the left-hand side, there's a family room with a fireplace. And then, right, or, or whatever, or, or, or maybe there's a library. Then you move up, and there's usually the stairs going up. And then you'll come to a two-piece washroom. Then you go to the back of the house, and there's an open concept kitchen and family room at the back, right? sharing space. And maybe there's a, a sun lounge or whatever up there then upstairs you've got your standard master bedroom <clears throat> his and hers you know walk-in closets and a huge ensuite and all the, the fittings and coffered ceilings and you know uh custom crown moldings and maybe plaster finishes and this and that they show me and then suddenly they've got like faucets that are imported from italy so they cost seven thousand dollars that's not a custom home right they've got a fireplace that they brought from a chateau in france that's not a custom home Right, They've got slate flooring like the big, big slate flooring as opposed to small tiles straight from a place in Italy and not a custom home. Right, They've got, you know, there's nothing custom about it aside from the fact that you've finished it with custom stuff, knobs. Right? A custom home is a home that's unique, built only, one of a kind. Right? So it doesn't just, it has a custom design and floor plan and it's it's got things that are unique i've only seen one house that will truly stun me in toronto then i've seen other homes that truly stun me but they're outside of toronto mainly in caledon king city mississauga or two, you know wealthy rich guys and and i remember in caledon there was a portuguese builder that built his own home and this guy had like He built his own home But he had like old school Just craftsmanship So he did it himself That house was astounding right? But you know, I don't know if anyone's interested If they want me to talk about this But The home I can actually tell you the address mm, I'm about This home Was owned At the time I prayed it By a, a guy from Armenia he was an architect, okay? He's claimed to fame, and I remember what I was telling me, I'm gonna go to this guy's house. And guess who he... Can't believe I'm doing this mm. But listen, I'm telling you this uh, information he won't get anywhere else. So I'm special, hold on. I'm going to finish this. I haven't had it wandered by in a long time. I should put it on pause. This is just rude to you people. I apologize. Okay, I'm back. You know what's funny about this podcast? I started off with just that I was like, just, okay, let me just put that rant out and I've got to say what I'm going to say. Then I thought about something and now I'm just, I'm just adding stuff my gift for waffles amazing but okay i'll actually because you know everyone's like, Ooh, talking shit here let me go to google maps because it was a long time ago that i walked into that house but i know that it backs onto the rosedale valley golf club inch in, in Toronto. Boop, boop. and let's see Fuck. so on the north side of that right there no maybe it's not that but i see downwards in the area York Mills South I'll show you God damn Okay here we go The house Is located On Highland Crescent In Toronto This is a One of a kind Custom house And I'm going to tell you guys About it Unfortunately he, That guy was so paranoid He we, You know Usually take interior photos When we submit the Reports of the Appraisal to the bank This guy was like No Because my stuff Is custom Shit You know People pay money To fucking it you know, get my ideas. I'm just going to let it be floating around in a report, is what he said to the banker. So the banker said, Do go in there, don't take anything aside from a rear, a front photo of the house, a photo of the street, and a photo of the rear of the house, and then what the rear backs onto. Nothing from inside, you know, because usually if it's custom, we always take pictures. So here we are. I will tell you it's Highland Crescent. Okay, now I'm going to. Wow, I can't believe I'm doing this real-time. That's how I do my podcast, motherfucker, live. Not really. So, Bayview Avenue. When you go down Bayview and you cross... Where the hell am I? I lost myself on this map. Let's get back to... uh, Okay, so... First one's Leslie Street. No, I don't get off. I get off Bayview. I go south. I go south on Bayview. York Mills Road, the first right... Second ride is called Highland Crescent. On Highland Crescent, let me just put myself there. Doo-doo, and then I need Street View. Boom, boom, boom. Let me turn myself around. Okay, where the fuck am I now? Okay. No shit. Okay, so here we go. Okay, I'm gonna walk along Highland Crescent now, using Google Maps. There's a lot of blurry shit going on here. Stuff blurred out entire homes you motherfucking rich bastard piece of shit hiding now you know what i'm going to do i've got to because i know from the backyard of this house right here's where it gets crazy i actually have the report somewhere on a computer somewhere in a, in a closet I could make this a lot easier but on the back of that house it's kind of like it's not exactly back in the road to the golf club but it's high enough that when i look there i can see into it so okay i got it so, okay so it's got to be in this section. Brrr, Okay. And we'll set up sides and looking down. Okay, now, just gotta walk a little bit more. Ah, yes, whoa, I've got a memory of an elephant. Gotta go past this intersection. <gasps> I remember parking my car. This house, firstly, is very unassuming from the road, right? It's built in such a way that it, it, it enables the owners to have privacy and other people to not be a spectacle about this house so here's wow okay i think this is it so 87 highland crescent somewhere around there okay i would say it's a house on the south side of the road you can hardly see anything but uh, a short wall hedges a circular kind of driveway a semicircular driveway and then what you see is like a very short roof line and then a big kind of like a two-car garage entrance and that's it And then there's a lot of trees, but the house is going down, you know, into a kind of ravine. And that's why it's very high, but the entrance is kind of sunken. And then the house is actually where the light and all the windows and the view for people in the house is all looking out the back because the backyard is a very deep backyard. Has privacy because why do you care about looking out to the front where the road is? People can look in at you. And then you have a great view of the Rosedale Valley Golf Course, I guess it's called. What's it called again? No, it's fucking losers. It's fucking bang each other for contracts or whatever. Bang each other's kids, whatever they do. Pass around, pass around children. I got a fucking kid in the trunk. A little, little boy, a little girl, which is about eight. Um, you know, I could I could hand her over to you, just make sure you, uh, you know, keep her fed and watered, hold on, <laughs> oh what, what, so wait, when, listen, when you're ultra wealthy and nothing can touch you, well, why not, you start to question God, because can God really exist, because how did I get all the money and power I have with all the dirty shit I did, so I might as well rape a few kids along the way, because there is no God. That's how the rich think. That's why they get into that kind of kinky shit. That everyone's like they're sick. No, they're just ultra wealthy and they're bored. And you'd be sick too when you, if you if you handed the wealth and the contacts and all you had to do was, you know, pretend like Bill Gates, to be someone who's worked hard for the money. Fuck off of that shit. Oh, that 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 was pretty pretty neat huh. All right, here we go. So it is. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just, bear with me, kids. Uh, whatever. Oh, it's called the Granite Club. And I guess, uh, I don't know what it is, but whatever. It backs onto what is the Granite Club and I don't know, something the darn, ah, fuck it, who okay. so cares? You know what, it's 87 or whatever, Highland Crescent. Okay, let me describe the house now. That house, at the time I appraised it, was owned by an Armenian architect. His claim to fame was he had designed a custom home. For Britney Spears, that was built for her, right? So, you know, huge amounts of change just for him to drop the plans, okay? And he built the house, and, you know, for her or whatever, superfights. But it was his, his, you know, design that built. Now, I walk into this house, the front door, okay? Here's why it's a custom home. The front door just is a small front door solid wood but heavy and it opens but it's just a one you know just looks like a standard front door but there's some heaviness to it but when it opens right when i push the handle these big iron kind of bars that you see in safes you know those big rods you know unlock the door so and it's then you know it's it's solid steel safety then you go down the stairs and then you are in an atrium okay it opens up where he's got are like a really the house is sunk down so now i'm standing in what is the entrance foyer but it's a huge round atrium glass dome so basically the house has corridors so i'm in a circular glass kind of like a greenhouse circle after coming in the front door and a little little you know like hallway area where you can put your coats and stuff right? But there's also mudroom entrance on one side and this and that, but this is the main entrance. It suddenly opens up and now you're in the main entrance, which is this atrium. So it's circular and it has glass dome ceilings, just like a greenhouse, right? So basically pure light in the, so the floor of this, right, area is, you know, some tile, right? But the tile is like marble but it's not in any kind of shape so it's like a mosaic but mosaic of huge tiles right and so well put together it takes a lot of skill to make a mosaic out of that kind of large tiles you can make a mosaic out of small tiles because then you can make a square with a lot of small irregular shaped things but if you try and make a square with big shaped things it's really hard and let alone a circular thing so that was art now Then, on the left, it had, you know, the kitchen or whatever, whatever. I hadn't looked. But I was, like, astounded at the glass because it's winter. It gets cold. You lose a lot of heat, right? So, you know, I know about those things. So, I'm like, what's going on with this glass? You must lose a lot of heat. He goes, no. No, because, you know, he explained all the stuff that he had done to the glass. And, fine, it's insulated. So, to the second floor, what he had was huge marble slabs that had been cut. They were basically as thick as basically a big lighters, I could say. Even even more than that. Say, I don't know, the size of, the width of a toilet roll, because i got a toilet roll sitting next to me. The width of a toilet roll, right, where you wipe your anus. So look at the toilet roll, the width. That was how, right, how thick each marble slab was that I'm talking about, right? So I'm describing marble slabs now. Now look at a marble slab, think of it as a width of a toilet roll, but in the shape of like a, you know, it starts off like a, not a parallelogram, let's say a rectangle, picture a rectangle, but instead of it being a rectangle, it widens on one side, so like a pie shape right like a pie shape but not coming to a point still you know like a square front then it extends out but widens at the back so the back is wide and some of them were curved so basically these huge marble slabs were the staircase that went to the second floor okay each of them were where you put your foot each of them because it's a circle in the middle of this atrium on one side of the atrium it's kind of like a circle you go to the end of the not in the middle of the atrium but on one side and they've got this staircase that's marble slabs okay that you know go follow the wall so circular kind of semicircular going up into the second floor now these slabs must have weighed each one i don't know easily 500 pounds or more each one or a ton okay now here's how this house is custom the slabs were suspended from the glass ceiling of the atrium the glass ceiling of the atrium had these big steel kind of like frame and reinforced obviously and then across and then you couldn't see it until you were on the staircase you would see these kind of crisscross things but they're done so well that you don't really see it interfering with the light or the fact you just think that there's just a glass dome ceiling when you are on the staircase and you look up right there's steel beams one two beams to each slab of the staircase to each stair so two beams go into one of those marble things two straight steel beams they just look like aluminum rods and they go way up into the ceiling and they're attached to this frame that's kind of following the pattern of this this glass right okay and each slab is attached to these things so it's just going up you just see long rods right and you're taking steps and each of those rods is holding a stair but basically there's no there's no handrail right but just kind of like a wire that's kind of attached to those rods as they go up to protect you from falling. But there's no handrail, but these these stairs were wide, right, and circular and solid. But they're suspended from the ceiling and they're floating. So it's a floating marble slab custom staircase suspended from what looks like this kind of steel framework that's invisible until you Directly underneath it to anyone standing anywhere in the atrium because in the atrium you just think it's a standard glass ceiling. Okay, that's just the fucking atrium. In the center of this atrium, he had a tree that was part of the old original home that was torn down. And that tree, all right, basically had been there as in the central courtyard of the older home. And the owners of the the, the home had said to him, if you can please don't, you know, uh, you know, do whatever you want with the landscaping, but this tree is very meaningful to us because, you know, we've lived here for so and so, blah, blah, blah. If by some chance you do, you know, you know, preserve the tree, we would love it if you would because it would feel like we're still part of this home or this place and we want to be with this place forever but unfortunately we can't afford it you know so you could always think of it as our thank you to you for buying from us as well because we know you're a good guy or something he gave me a story this is what he told me so he goes so i decided i'm going to build a house around the tree so that tree was still there big long tree and it was in the center of the this this atrium this kind of courtyard so you know the slab stones and then you know a little gravelly area, and that tree was there, and that's why all the light was needed. So he decided, so he he kept his word and kept that tree, all right? Okay. Then, right. So I don't know if you guys can find his name, but you know he he sold the house. Then that's at that time when I was doing appraisals it was maybe 2002 three, plasma TVs had come out. The rich, uber rich, were buying plasma TVs, right? Not LCDs. They were like nine thousand, ten thousand at the time, right? That that was you know, if if the plasma TVs were three grand, but if you wanted high end, like pioneer sixty inch plasma, it's nine thousand dollars. Okay. So even the rich just have like maybe two. That's it. In the family room and maybe the master bedroom. You know, they're like, well why would we spend that? But this guy was a genius, right? I'll tell you why. So the main floor he has kitchen, living room. There's so much custom stuff to it. But this is what I remember. He had this rail system built into the ceiling. So the ceiling, I looked up and I noticed these rails. And I said, what are these for? And he goes, oh, you know, this family room, right? Say we're entertaining. It's huge. So we want to divide it or, or have the kids who are eating there in the playroom. But we want to see them. We have these glass doors that basically are hidden in the walls, right? And they can come. and they're kind of like you know glass big glass kind of things but they have they can still form a circle because or a semicircle will go around a corner because there's not one solid piece of glass there's like seven or eight glass segments you know my describing stuff is really bad but you know you can pull it out of the wall and suddenly you've got a divider for sound but you know you have privacy if you want in those glass partitions, basically built in these blinds right he had at the time or i can't remember no actually what he had done is there there's this glass that had come out that has a gas in between and then there's a charge if you turn that charge off right the gas becomes smoky it suddenly becomes opaque it's opaque where you can't see so basically if you want privacy and, and a lot of front doors in homes, high-end homes, adopted this kind of glass, right? They'd be the open front door, especially in homes that have dark entry always. You want light coming in during the daytime. What you do is you turn off the switch, and it looks like a glass door. You can just see straight into the house. But anytime when it's nighttime, you just turn it on, and a little charge goes into the, 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 the door frame. And that gas now gets an electrical charge, and suddenly, you know, whatever's there, it turns cloudy the gas it, it 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 you didn't see it and suddenly now it's taken on a dark color because the gas has you know attracted some other element that was free floating and now when it's combined with that it's formed uh, whatever some some new uh gas that's now you know a gas that you can see And when you can see it, that means it's in front of you. But if it's in between you and something else, you can't see shit. So suddenly the the door, you can't look into the house anymore. So he had those things in these glass. So he would just pull out the glass things on this rail and say, hey, if you want to watch the kids, that's it. But if I don't, or they're doing something silly or we want privacy, we want to watch TV and, you know, they want to do something. But they still want to be in the same area. You flip the switch. Boom. Suddenly it's a glass but it's a wall now because you can't see anything, right? So you can have a wall or a window if you want in the house to divide areas because he had big, big, expansive rooms. But I said, okay, but there's other railings now that don't look like they're going in. They just, I see another railing and he goes, oh, okay. Then he just basically picked up a remote, right? And he goes on this built-in on the wall and he touched a button that said family room and he goes, have a seat. Right, and he goes. What do you want to watch? Let's let's watch some TV. He really love this house, and he you know this is why I like this guy. He says, "You want you want to watch some TV?" And I go, "No, I got work." He goes, "I'm just kidding," but you know, I'm you going to ask me where the TV is. I go, "Yeah, I'm sure you've got it hidden in the wall." He goes, "No, man, like crazy," right? And I go, "Why?" He goes, "Listen, why would I spend? I have two TVs in this house, right? Two TVs, big, the big boys, right?" Or he says, "No." No, he goes, no, I have one TV on this floor that's, uh, you know, 60-inch, right? I go, okay. He goes, but my wife likes to watch, and she has her own section of, you know, when in the kitchen in the back of the breakfast area. Sometimes she sits there in this one alcove seating, and she wants to watch TV. And I go, okay. He goes, yeah, but, you know, I'm not one of those guys that wants to watch TV when I'm in one room and have my wife watch TV in another room. If we're watching TV, we're watching it together. Oh, I'm not here and she's not here. Well she's not here, so it's only we need one TV. Right? I said, Okay. Right. She goes, Well, if my wife wants to doesn't want to watch the program, she goes up to the bedroom and there's a smaller T V there. But I'm not gonna spend nine grand and shove TVs all over the place. I go, All right, what do you got? He goes, Okay. And presses the family room and the TV comes from the kitchen area where it was suspended from the ceiling and you know, in the corner. It just comes on this on this rail. And a TV just fucking Comes in On this rail system Makes a turn At the the kitchen Breakfast area And then follows A kind of like Along a wall And then And then comes into The family room And then stops Right there In front of the couch You know And there you go So he goes He developed this railing system And basically He's got motors And wherever he wants To watch TV He gets He moves the TV You know, so if he's sitting, if they're all eating breakfast, and he wants to watch the news, and he's watching with his kids, and he doesn't want to, you know, he wants to watch the news on the TV, he calls it over to the breakfast area. So there's just buttons there with every room along this rail system that moves those big Pioneer TVs. So that's custom. You know? Then, another thing I remember of this house, he goes... I said, okay, so, you know, the walls were, like, complete, you know, just insane his insulation was you know foam he had a foam the foundation was made up of concrete that and in the middle of the concrete is a kind of like a foam thing which so you don't have to add insulation because the actual foundation sorry get cut off so the foundation of the base of the house already has insulation so now you don't have to spend as much on insulation in the dry between the drywall and the outer walls, you know, and you know the, the 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 actual house was a steel frame, solid brick construction. It wasn't a wood frame brick veneer home. So most houses are made with b- wood framing, and then they have a brick veneer, right? They're not solid brick. There's a difference between brick veneer means. The brick is laid sideways on one layer on the outside of the house. Then, on the inside of that is drywalling, and then they put insulation in between it, and then another interior drywalling, so that adds insulation. But solid brick homes are built in like the 50s. They look similar to brick veneer homes, but if you look on the outside, you can actually see, instead of the brick going... The length of the brick, you can see a brick end sometimes in the middle of the of the wall. That's that means there's a brick going into the home, not on the outside. That means it's a solid brick home because then there's another layer. So that's called a brick. That's called a solid brick home. But still, the frame, right, is wood usually in those days. But his house has had a steel frame construction because everything in it was so heavy the materials used you know couldn't be held up the flooring was so solid and so like heavy obviously wood frame wasn't so it was a steel frame solid brick solid stone home because a lot of it was stone and not a stone finish but real stone Right, and then he had hollowed out even those stones and put in this kind of latest insulation a way of you know basically making the house ultra insulated and properly insulated, not a kind of fake insulation. Because the outside of like if you have a stone wall, right, and you just have a stone and you're on the inside of the house and you can touch the stone, and if you're on the outside of the house, you can touch the same stone. It'll be cold, even on the inside, but not if the stone is hollowed out and it's got this, you know, special kind of foam installed, right? Then the inside of the home feels warm because the uh, the heat, the, the cold or the heat can't be transferred, it's stopped, right? And then, so you don't have to actually even insulate it, so you can enjoy the beauty of the interior of the home building. You know, it's like having a, a wood cottage, you know, a solid wood cottage like the old timers you're looking at tree trunks or whatever it is laid out you know one solid piece it makes you feel you know that's solid and you're in touch with whatever's outside you're more connected to it right you're not actually insulated but you're actually really insulated <laughs> does that make sense but anyways so the house is huge expansive right oh i forgot initially Right. oh actually no so the garage i was like a guy like this right because he, he, he knew a lot about cars at that time i was driving i don't know what i was driving but it was souped up and he's like you you guys like these souped up cars i go like, oh, it's a honda man of course it's the best car on the planet man i told about it, it made him laugh and stuff, and he goes, oh, okay, but he knew about cars, and he's like, you know, blah, 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 what do you think about Italian cars, I don't know too much about them, I only know Japanese cars, at the time I going, I don't know, but I was just, I only buy Hondas, I know people always think crap, Benz is good, but from what I know, go Japanese, and he's like, oh, okay, whatever, so I was thinking, this guy, he seems like he, he has cars, that was his passion, so why does he have a two car garage? Right, you know, but whatever. I didn't care because he was asking me oh about Ferrari, and he was telling me about how he had he went to a course to learn how to drive Ferrari, and it had F1, he had met an F1 driver, I can't remember at the time, and he was like Ferrari is very very beautiful car and blah blah blah, you know, and I said, and then he said, but you know best daily driver is Porsche, and I was like okay whatever, right. <laughs> I go I'll just NSX will crush it And so will a skyline And he goes Oh yes yes Those those are very But you need turbo man That's not like Italian engineering So You know While I was talking to him Now uh, Well finish But so The house is huge Expansive Then I noticed That it has all these Temperature Thermostats there Right And a lot Next to the thermostats in, In the rooms Are motion sensors Right? But, you know, I'm upstairs in his son's bedroom. I see a motion sensor. Well, why do you have a motion sensor in this bedroom? This bedroom doesn't even have an exterior window, right? There's no one can come from outside into this room to access the house. Why do you have a motion sensor? Right? So the guy says, ah, good question. Hold on. got to stop this right now. Get back, so where was oh, yeah, motion sensors. So, you know, because and he's like, Oh, blah, blah, blah. and you know, each room of this house, like his his daughter's room, was custom because she likes certain things, so he built the room for her. His son was into whatever it is, but like fish, so there was a fish tank in the wall, right? And you know, I, I, you know, I was like, You know, there's so many things that are bad about putting a fish tank in the wall. But he had addressed everything, because I go, oh, so, you know, those do have this. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I did this. That's why I did this. That's why you can access it this way. That's why I can pull it out. That's why the wall is this. That's why this is here. So everything that is a problem with having a fish tank in a room was solved by this guy. It's just the same as having an indoor pool in a house. Right an indoor pool in a house is if that if that house the area of the indoor pool is attached to the rest of your house, you will guarantee if you haven't spent money or you haven't done it properly and it's just been done by someone who just wanted to sell it to a rich guy you're in trouble that 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 thing will just destroy the value of your house because of the humidity of that area, it basically will just you know destroy the frame of the house over you know just degrade it degrade the ceiling because the chlorine content the fact that you know you have the motors running and just the fact that you you shouldn't have water sitting in stagnant you know in a room in a house Uh, you shouldn't have a pond in your room essentially what it is and treat the pond from becoming a filthy stench By dropping chemicals in it, it's not going to do your house, the rest of the house, any service. Right? You've got a lake in the middle of your fucking house. What is essentially the lake if you don't just let it go? It'll turn into a lake and it'll be full of frogs and it'll be just murky. And the way you keep it clean is not by actually cleaning it, it's just by, you know, killing anything that's supposed to grow there over time naturally. Right? And then you do that with chemicals. Those chemicals are poisonous. They have nowhere to go. They they sit in the water and they evaporate. Right. So you've got chlorine, high amounts in the water. And so that area, you know, over time the flooring goes, the tiles go, the ceiling goes, the frame gets into trouble. If you have skylights there, they're always a mess, you know, and it's just money it's it's actually very much more expensive to maintain an indoor pool than to just have an outdoor pool and go through the thing of closing it and opening it every season but he had an indoor pool and he had addressed everything that i talk about but just like that you know he had addressed the things but then i said okay now you know you're still on four get gas right i see you know like why wouldn't you have done underfloor radiant heating or something actually a good system, not North American forced air gas, which is you heating up air and then, you know, blowing it around the house, it's very inefficient, rather than radiant heating, which is just, you know, a heat that emanates, heats up places that you walk on and then that heat is transferred to you through solids, right, much better conductor, much more efficient, blah, 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 right, and then, you know, rather than having radiators in the corner like in England, you have them under the floor, that's what people are trending towards you know and especially in those homes the, or the bathrooms have underflow electric radiant heating but you want in a big area underfloor, not electric but water heating you know like water pipes that run you know whatever just like how you heat up a driveway so he goes yeah but you know the thing is i couldn't put underfloor radiant underfloor radiant in this because of the materials i use this solid stone flooring right i can't have can't put like, you know, nice, you know, with nice zigzag, whatever, you know, uh, pipes that contain the water, right, running under the thing. And even if I did, it'd be like four feet under, instead of 30 centimeters under your foot because of the size of the floor, because of the solidness. So I had to opt for 48 gas. And I go, well, that's expensive. You know, home like this with so much, <clears throat> you know, it's not traditional, so heat has to be piped in a much more, you know, expensive way, and and has to be pushed much more distance, so you're going to blow, and he goes, oh, no, no. And I'll show you what I did, right, but, you know, this is all, all I could think about, so I went down to his, you know, what's it all in Canada, the furnace room, or the wherever, wherever the furnace is, it's usually in the, in the basement, and usually furnaces are just one blow motor and standing this big box that stands there and brand names are like train and a are kind of high-end or well-known and then there's what i think is the best one is kenmore you know just just straight up 100 percent, never breaks down just boom runs for life but people want to be think but this guy now in his house i walked in to the basement and there's this room that looks like i swear it looked like, I was like, what, what is going on in here, right? Yeah, like seven or eight boilers, right? But they were furnaces. So there were seven furnaces in the, in the house. And I'm, I looked at them and I go, so you've got seven furnaces. And they're German. It's it's a brand called Lieber. L-E-I-B-H-H-E-R. So they're industrial kind of equipment. It's not really for residential. Uh Fittings, right? So he had industrial kind of furnaces. I think they were furnaces. So maybe, I could, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe they, maybe the house had radiant heat. I get confused, but whatever. So he had seven of these things. So I said, so you use seven. No matter how efficient the German engineering is, the efficiency is offset by the fact that you've got seven of them as opposed to one <laughs> I gotta pause again, sorry, I'm getting disturbed. This is quite a long rant. Anyways, I'm just gonna talk about this home and then get on to the other subject. And I'll actually name the the Portuguese builder in Caledon because he was such a gentleman and such a gracious person and just a beautiful guy. Even this Armenian guy was really nice. But he was he was a little she he was he had a cigar in his mouth or something i don't know something something like this guy like moves among like ultra wealthy so he has to adopt this kind of like the air but he's actually a cool guy because he's just a kid now he showed me but well, anyway so i go okay so what's what are you what are you doing and he goes that's what the motion sensors are so my kid comes in right and the motion sensors are connected to a system that basically knows which way or where these ended up. So kid comes in, motion sensor detects someone's enter the front door. Our son spends most of the time in his bedroom. And then in, in the bedroom, that area has got a, a game room at the end where, where, you know, the kids usually are always found. That section is heated up by one of these levers. So the lever is all connected to this motion sensor and heat up only the areas where the people are, based on a system he's got, like programmed, so it knows, right? So what it does is, the system follows, and then also it's pre-programmed to know that his son comes home at 4 p.m. So regardless of whether his son's gone to soccer practice, the Libra kicks in, you know, from, from in, and in that section, which is at 17 degrees Celsius, let's say so you know below 72 let's say it's cold right it's it's off or it's on minimal you know because no one's there but as soon as the person comes in it kicks in and these things are just they they heat up the room very quickly because it's just boom so concentrated it's like a furnace to a thing and he's got it down to a science so he goes my son come in in his room and then buff, four minutes his room's at 22 or whatever temperature he wants it to be at right he doesn't have to touch anything it knows there and this furnace is the only one that's kicked in right aside from another furnace that is just used to keep you know the whole lower floor or whatever at a certain temperature because you know whatever we have pets there or whatever so he's got the master bedroom and wing has its own furnace it's programmed every day for 3pm to kick in to bring it up to about 20 from 17 let's say because three parents of the wife comes home but it only moves it up to 22 if she wants 23 when the motion sensors know she's in right <clears throat> and he goes i have codes for for the alarm if they put in their code it, then it's connected to the furnace that no automatically Yeah, the sun's here so let me get about my job of getting these games from warm right but even if the code doesn't, the kid doesn't use the code or uses a general code, doesn't know, doesn't want to use his personal code, or he's coming through the mudroom or whatever. Basically, the, the 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 system's following the movements and knows or guesses that it's probably a high probability. It's not mom that's you know spent the last thirty minutes in Junior's room. All right? What's she doing? All right? Only time mom's in Junior's room is when she's banging the gardener and doesn't want to, you know, let Mr. Armenian know that she's getting dicked by the help because the help is very attentive to her needs because he's always peering in while he's doing the gardening or whatever, right? Just being silly. I never met his kids or his wife or whatever, but you know, he's a very cool guy. Um, And then, he was like blah 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 and he explained to me so these furnaces seven of them right basically i have seven for this 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 and i go okay now this now you've explained six where what's the seventh one it's like the garage i go why do you have a furnace heating up a two car garage right what's wrong with you <laughs> what do you have in there that during winter right if you have something so valuable, where you have a furnace heating up a garage in winter, that thing shouldn't be in that garage in winter. Where it should be on blocks with no oil in it, because he shouldn't be driving it in the winter. It should be in storage or you know, whatever it is of what else was those ultra high-end cars made by that guy? Who's really crazy? He's Argentinian but Italian. Jeez going off somewhere there's this one car that people buy and then they just stick them into their collections or stick them in a garage and really have a Pagani right. I said unless you've got a Pagani in there and at that time I was Huira uh, which means wind or whatever hadn't come out so I go unless you've got a Pagani Zonda in there or if you have let's say um, i don't know that, that, that weird long 16 cylinder bugatti c12 or something that's you know, that weird shape in there or unless you've got you know what i think is the most valuable car in the world at the time a 91 civic si hatchback two-door in there there's no need to finish no i don't have a two-car garage right you know i like cars and i go okay it goes, come, let's go into the garage. So, we go into the garage, right, and it's, it, it has a two-car entrance. But once it enters, once the door opened, and I've not been in the garage, either, it only had parking for one car. And on either side, so it, it opens, big two doors go up, two-door wide, but it just has <clears throat> a, a, a slot in the middle. And then right on either side of that's brick walls so kind of like when you go into a car wash you can slot your car in and there's brick walls right and then on the other side of the brick walls another guy washing his car you know those those cells of car washes but on the other side of the brick walls were just these basically big storage things you know like built in And what do you have here he goes oh i play a lot of golf so i have golf clubs blah 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 and you know tools and things like that stored in the garage i go okay so why don't you just have a shed or whatever for-? he goes yeah, yeah but you know this is my system so i go so you have one car he goes no and th- that time there was no car and he goes it's-, it's coming and then we walk onto the thing and then basically he pressed the button on the wall and the whole floor started to drop so it looked like a- one floor basically was it was a kind of like a a weird hydraulic platform right like you know so you drive your car in and then into what you think is a two-car garage but it only has space for one car and then an elevator takes the car down into this area in the basement right and then basically you drive the car and there's a seven you know there's a huge one section which just basically looks like you know uh, an apartment building this underground garage but just like for seven cars he had spaces there and so he had you know some nice cars there i can't remember what they were or oh, whatever some nothing special just an expensive car right like a ferrari and there was a, a i don't know nothing nothing there was wife's range Rover, obviously and then i, I can't remember nothing nothing out of the ordinary but high-end cars uh, there was a f- some sort of ferrari it wasn't an enzo and there was uh a porsche 911 turbo and whatever that's it but he had seven cars i think only four or five were there so basically he has seven car garage in the basement that was accessed from a lift you know so from the outside this house looks nothing in particular so i was like in awe so he goes, this garage is heated obviously and i go okay well that makes sense right and then he goes i also have a pool and i said you have a pool and he goes yes but that's basically you know the basement he had nothing in the basement because the basement was walk- a walkout basement that backed onto the that you could walk out of and and then it was Huge backyard and then suddenly there was a drop but you could see into that granite golf course. So one half of the basement was the seven car garage, the second half of the basement was the pool and entertainment area and I'm like, That's it, you've got no home theater and he's like, Nah, I don't like that for me. I don't care about home theater. Right? Like, that kind of stuff is useless. I don't watch movies like that. I go to movie theater and I have the T V upstairs and I says, just a pool, but he says, No, the whole half of the house is a pool and then you know like bar your know, wet bar and seating area and stuff and I go so you have an indoor pool in this house. It says yes but not your traditional indoor pool. So when we walked you open up the room and then now we're in the pool area. So the the pool, the whole floor is like mosaic tile like you find in the bottom of a pool. It, I'm walking on it and then it starts to slope down and then you're in the pool. So basically it's not like your traditional indoor pool, which is a sunken tub in the middle of standard flooring. This flooring couldn't be destroyed because it was part of the pool, right? And it was so insulated from the rest of the house because of the construction materials and the glass, not drywall. So nothing could rot. So the pool was just from one side, It's just like standing on the side of a beach and then it just slopes down and you're in the pool or you can walk around to the seating area on the other side, which is raised and I, and then I looked at the end of the pool and he goes, but I also want an outdoor pool as well. So the pool extends out of the house, right? And so the pool goes and continues to go outside of the house. And then basically there's a big glass. Right partition that like, that is the wall, but you can swim under it to the outside of the house, so there's a glass partition that ends you know it stops and kind of floats because it's held by a frame that holds the glass above the water two inches above the water of the pool, and then the glass extends upwards into the main floor area where the family room is above. But it's just one piece of glass, but maybe two that slide down or whatever. And I go, but in the wintertime, what happens? And he goes simple. Then you just press a button and some more glass just came down and then basically went into the water and and just became, you couldn't get to the outside part of the pool, even though, you know, the, the water was like cut off now. And the outside in the winter... Or whatever time could be an outside pool that you couldn't access. Or if you wanted to, you could raise the glass and you're completely in a pool that swims half in the house, half out of the house. That was, yeah, that was a crazy house. There you go. And that was just the stuff I noticed about that house. <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was awesome. So, yeah, obviously I fucked him over because it actually cost more to build the house how appraisals work we do when you when you appraise a custom home for the bank the bank wants to know what its market value is not what its value in terms of replacement if you had to build the house again using the same materials it would be worth what he thought it was which was like 16 million dollars or seven 12 million dollars at the time right because you know insurance you go when an insurance person comes to appraise your house to charge you insurance they go on replacement cost because they have to replace what you have if it's lost right replacement cost means the cost of building those things so they take into account everything that the materials how much they cost to build if the insurance company can't afford it they have to buy you something that's of equal quality so an insurance appraisal sometimes pull them out and say the insurance company my house for eight million dollars that's called the replacement or the cost the replacement value of your house all right or the the, the 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 cost approach that's the cost of me giving you building your new house I'm not here to do that I'm here to determine the market value so how much another person's willing to pay for your house right because the value of all the shit you've done is only valuable to you if you paid $20,000 to get a f- fireplace shipped to you from a chateau in France that was being you know being torn down and you saw this fireplace that's so unique and it's from a chateau in France got all this history attached to it and valuable in terms of history and it's irreplaceable that thing when you ship it to Toronto and put it into your house and you pay $200,000 for it as soon as you put it into your house and you call me you know what you have in your house? A fucking fireplace <laughs> right because I don't care about the history when I'm coming to buy the house and you're selling it I don't care, I'll say hey you got a fireplace there, I don't care if you pay two hundred grand. all it can do is warm up the room when you put wood in there to anyone who walks in and if i want i can go next door there's the exact same house that also has a fireplace exactly like this but it's doesn't look as nice and it's not from france but it's a brick fireplace and it costs $8000 so your fireplace is worth a grand from a market value because that's what the market will pay but if your house burns down yes the insurance company will give you 200 grand but you can't show me an insurance appraisal and say this is what my house is worth because your house is worth that. Different things to different people. Your house is worth so much more to a guy who's built it with his bare hands than what you (laughs) would pay for it. And whatever extra stuff you put in your house, the next guy is not going to care. He will just say, yeah, take it out then. I don't want it. I don't want to... If you're saying that, that... that thing is worth 200 grand that's why your house is worth 200 grand more than the neighbor if you want to sell it to me remove it and all and drop your price by 198 grand stick in the $8,000 fireplace you know and i'll pay you grand, 180 grand less you're asking for 200 grand more than the neighbors but all you have is a fireplace just like he does you spend two hundred thousand to get yours and he spent eight that's market value so that house right and the bank also when they seize a house from a, from an appraisal they seize a house because you haven't paid the mortgage right every day they don't get the val the loan back that they lent you they lose money because they could be lending it out to someone else and getting the interest for so every day that your house is not sold but is still owned by the bank because they repossessed it or, or you know it's it was temporarily possessed by them because it's a foreclosure every day that it's not sold they're losing more money right so uh i'll explain this later i don't know if anyone even is still with me in this very technical all right i'm back so you know if, so, so for your standard appraisal of a standard mortgage, the bank most, like, let's say for the bank I was working for, particular bank says, I want an appraisal based on the marketability of 30 to 60 days. That means I want to know the value that this house will get on the open market when you put it up for sale in an arm's length transaction. That means the buyer and the seller don't know each other Right, so there's no collusion. Right, arms length, fair transaction. That means, you know, there's bargaining that took place, you know, that has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that each party was trying to get the most value. They don't know each other. Right, it's on the open market, so anyone can access that house and put a bid on it. Right, and it sh- should sell within 30 to 60 days. Because after that, you know, it's become more costly for us. We want to know how we, how much money we can get back, right, within the standard time to market it. So, now when you get into a home like this guy's house, right, you know, firstly, you have to say to the bank, Listen, this house, I can give you a value of this much, but only if you allow me to say that it has to be marketed for a year because it'll take a year on the open market right for sale at that price it may take up to a year for the guy with the money to buy that house to walk into that you know and say hey this is the house i've been looking for right not 30 to 60 days because it requires extended marketing time because you are you know not uh, you know this this home is not being marketed to the same number of people it's only being marketed a smaller segment of people right so fewer people will even even look to come to look at the house when you have less people but you still want to sell it at a high price and you have to leave it for sale for much longer Right, the bank says, No, 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 how much in 60 days? Then, okay, then I have to take off another two million dollars, right? And then basically, it has a seven car garage, right? You know, so, you know, how many people have seven cars? Right? Even if you can afford that, why would you keep your seven cars there? Only he likes it. That takes it away from that kind of space. The fact that it was so custom. Right? Makes it so much more harder to to value, right? But everything is—it's just a staircase he had. It's just a seven thousand square foot home that may have cost ten million to build. But next door is a seven thousand square foot home with an indoor pool, so you know, and that's selling for five million. So maybe I'll add another three million because of this appeal of it and the, you know the the fact that it's so unique. But that's it you know so the guy said hey you know it cost me nine million to build this right i've had friends that i that i know from the states who said hey when you want to sell this you know i'll pay you 14 million no question so i said so so then right? is that friend looking to move, move into your house when you sell it and he goes i don't know because i'm refinancing I go yeah, but let's say instead why don't you sell it to him or ask him for the money? Right? How do you know he's gonna move in immediately? You know, you may say, Yeah, now's not a good time. Right? you know, you can't say one guy that knows you No, like, I didn't say this to him, but you can't say, I have a friend who buy it for 14 million so I say it's worth forty million because he knows it's it's really worth fourteen million. And yes it is worth fourteen million. You know, but he knows everything about the house. He knows you, you, right? He's not the average guy. He's not even the average millionaire. <laughs> right. And he likes you only. Right? You know, I can't say it's worth $40 million. He million. He might get hit by a car tomorrow. Now you've got no one on the planet who wants to buy a house. <laughs> right? So, you know, that, that kind of stuff used to go on in those kind of homes. Actually, there's another home, I want to say, that I went into that's insane it was on Young Street just north of St. Clair it was originally like a three-story apartment building complex but it's owned by this gay couple that are architects so the main floor so I can't even, uh, it was featured in Toronto life that house was insane and that actually had a fireplace from a chateau in France worth 200,000 <laughs> so they were pissed at me but the main floor is the architects office so they they own this architectural firm. So main floor is an office where they work, but it's full of people. The second floor is just you know they've converted basically a five-story building and made it a three-story building. So you know the 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 living the main floor is on this what is what used to be the second floor above the main floor, but it's actually the second and third floor of the building because the ceilings are twice as high. So it looks like those really rich you know high-end condos that guys like um i don't know if you remember movie okay do you remember the devil's advocate where he lived it's not a home it's still in a building right so <laughs> it's like that that you know that the size of the ceilings the height and this this house was yeah just it was insane All right so the main f- second and third floor were made into one floor, third and fourth made into one floor and on the rooftop they converted and there was a outdoor pool and cabana and this and that. You know, everything was that was quite crazy. That's those are the only two homes in Toronto that are custom. Everything else is just fucking garbage. And then there's a guy in Caledon who builds custom homes. And you know how Italians in Toronto are like the builders to go to right? So in Toronto, somehow, Italians have a great name, certain Italians. Then Iranian people have a name among builders as being very good with building, you know. So Italians pride themselves on the plaster and the, the cement work and, you know, the eye. And then Iranians are into finishing like cornice moldings and Intricate kind of design, but ceiling work for some reason. I remember, and you know, there's big, you know, Iranian names like Shane Baghai, who's a builder, but he's you know, his shit's just garbage, it's just high end finishes on standard shit. But <laughs> Shane Baghai. but this builder, this Portuguese guy, his name is Joe Botello. So, if you he ever hear this, props to you. He's just a guy that was a contractor, blah, 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 but kind of like a real car craftsman and artisan. He, he knows how to, he's into like <clears throat> finishing stuff with his own hand. You know, basically, I don't know, he won't, you know, he, he will do a concrete floor in the hallway of a house, so no tile, but he'll finish it in such a way that it's just unique. And then he does all plaster crown moldings plaster ceilings plaster using plaster and lathe and just you know one of a kind stuff so he usually is just a contractor and people go to him and what he does is he will oversee custom home building but he's just like there make sure everything goes well that's his you know his profession but he built a house for himself and his wife in Kaladin on top of this hill. He bought a property and built this custom home. And I was like, whoa. But, you know, f- kind of standard like floor plan and architectural finishes. It's not like the guy from Armenia. But basically everything in this house was finished by him by hand. You know, so I went, I took, you know, I was doing it while he was in construction. So it took years. But he was such a classy guy. Real, real nice guy you know and i did a lot of kind of like special appraisals for him but at the end you know he, he gave me like he wanted to give me like you know 500 dollars here state this because you've done some, you know good work and you got me the loans and i was like no no but a classy guy but i would say he's the if you can find joe b-o-t-e-l-a joe let me write this botello find him in caledon and if he's still in the game if you want a guide to oversee the construction of a house and basically put some real work in like just i don't know he's got an eye and he knows how to finish off a house so it's just beautiful but only if you actually appreciate homes joe botello is the guy who destroy any freaking dude in toronto you know like the guy from armenia is more into whatever just materials and he knows how to build stuff using expensive materials. But Joe Botello knows how to make things beautiful and make things personal. But not using materials but just his his work, you know, he he basically install he basically like paints your room and he's got so much skill that when you're sitting in the room it's just paint. But it just feels so much more richer because he knows how to, you know, work the paint so that it's it's kind of like, you know, got a warmth or depth to it. But it's still just paint on a wall, right? That, I can't, I can't describe it, but that's what Jo Botello will do to your house if you want him to do it, right? Like, just using his eye, he might say, hey, you, need, you can do this, this, this. And, yeah, because... You know, I was watching him do his things, but at the same time, I was meeting him on sites where he was like the general contractor, overseeing work, and I was just like, well. And I I was like, and he's like, yeah, whatever. This guy's paying me this much money. What the fuck do I care? And they're rich. They want $5 million to construct this home, so I'm like, all right, take it easy. He's like, you know, if you have money and you want me to build you a house, I'll build you a house. Okay, for the same amount of money as your, you know, the guy who 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 you competing against. Alright? Or the guy if you want if you show me a house and you say, I want my house to be like this guy's, right? And it cost him five million, give me five million and I'll build you a house that you'll sell or that'll be you know, to anyone else. They'll be they'll walk in and they'll say we'll pay you ten million. That's what Joe says to me. You know, kind of in, in not those words, but if you want me to build your house, come back. Because, you know, I know you're a rich guy. So when time comes, find me and I'll build, you know, I'll make sure you, you get a, you have a house. That you, that'll that be your home. <laughs> I'm like, all right. yeah, But then, you yeah. know. The key, yeah. 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 Over judge me. Give gave me too much credit <laughs> You know I don't know what I was doing with the money But it was certainly not Not going into a bank account It was just fucking Going into Just Boozing and fucking buying You know I don't know What I was doing But yeah That was That was my So Joe Botello These gay guys That own an architectural firm And it's on Young Street On the West side Around the St. Clair Avenue. Actually, you know what? Let me just look it up for you guys. If you guys care. Because you know, some people will be like, this guy is on crack. He just makes up shit out of his ass. I do. But surprisingly, when I make up shit, it just becomes real. So let's see. young Street. Because I know it's right north of... Right up. Park. What I like about this guy, Okay, guys, they had underground parking and they had, you know, like 708 cars and cars like motorbikes but like an E motorcycle or whatever but when you come out of the underground parking and you want to access the house there's this electro charged mat on the floor right as you walk into the out of the garage into the foyer in the basement and then start walking up the steps before you get to the steps that whole floor that's got this chart this this mat that's plastic but it's got a charge to it, like electrostatic. So, as soon as you walk on there with your shoes, by the time your shoes start to get onto that that staircase, which is like custom marbles, blah blah, circular staircase, your shoes don't have a single speck of dust on the soles anymore. Basically, the, it just removes everything. So, these guys are like, hey, look at the soles of your feet. Because, you know, our, our garage is like concrete floor and it's dusty. I'm like yeah, you know I I did notice as soon as I stepped into that oh, yeah, way you have that carpet I did notice you know dust from the shoes and I go yeah and and then they go look at your feet and I looked at my not a speck of dust it's like all the dust had been removed by the mat it was just stuck to this mat and I'm like yeah that's how you get rid of dust and I go yeah what do you guys do in the winter and I like, mm-hmm. anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I go, what do you do in the winter? Electrost- Dust doesn't, you know, an electrostatic charge is not going to take all the mud and snow off your foot, dum you dumb-dumbs. And they're like, well, you know, you can leave me I don't know. You know, gay guys. They're like, hm, you know, anyways, back to the mimosas. Hold on. They were, they were not gay like that. They were just cool gay guys. Very lovely guys. Oh, and one thing about gay dudes is they know how to fucking decorate. But you know what? To an extent. You know, they just decorate just like... Everything's gonna be perfect. White, fluffy towels. That kind of thing. Like, like anal chicks. <laughs> right? Nothing special. But to guys, they're like, Oh, gay guys are always neat. No. They're just as neat as a fucking chick. Okay? Stop acting stupid. Because gay guys take pride in... Stuff and attentive to those kind of things because of the feminine part of themselves, but they're not fucking special. A fucking gay guy is just as fucking, you know, good for your neighborhood as just a chick who walks into a house and lives there by herself. She's gonna do to her, her house what two gay guys gonna do: make it look pretty <laughs> and neat, right? Because you know, there's no gay guys fucking drink mimosas. They don't fucking, fucking get hammered on whiskey like us. Okay, cause, fucking, mimosas. No, cool. oh, hold on, let's find out. That's fucking really bad, what I'm just saying. Hey, you know what? There's actually a gay guy who's who, who's one of the guys who always listen to my podcast. So he's gonna listen to this right now and go, This guy's a fucking, fucking piece of shit. <laughs> fucking, fucking ignorant. Probably homophobic somewhere there, but just, I don't know, just twisted. Hey. Relax, okay. You know I love you. And are you gay? Yeah, yeah, you are gay. Do people know about it? I don't we're gonna mention your name. I don't know. I don't know if people know about it. I, I I knew about it before you told me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know you're gonna go Listen If you're gay and you're not in the closet, you know. People, people can, people, men can tell by chilling with you that you don't have the same sexual energy directed towards females as they do. So they're like, you're more interested in me than those two chicks at the bar every time we go out. Sammy, can you tell me why? I just, I just enjoy going out with you. But every time I suggest we we'll go pick up the chicks, you just say you will ride. You know, you, you, you'll just be my wingman. I mean, basically, you know, you are better wingman than a girl because the other girl has no idea that you're gay yet. So she's busy dancing with you while I'm working my moves on this chick. And then at the end of the night, you just, you know, give her a little. Ciao Why well, she's like You want to come to my place? And you're like Do you have a brother? Then yes If not Then Duh Obviously not And then she realizes Oh shit <laughs> And I'm like Well anyways I guess I'm um You know taking a new friend um. And she's like no, No 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 If I'm going home alone my roommates come with me, and then I'm like, "Yeah, but you gotta give me six minutes to just take it down the alley behind the dumpster, and then your friend will be returning home with you. Because my wingman failed me, so I'm not gonna fucking put in any more effort. I'm not gonna pay for a fucking sixty-dollar hotel room on the crack, crack, crack strip when there's this perfectly good alleyway on the back. <laughs> And that's just how me and uh, my buddy will work, is it in my dreams? Okay, hold on. Let me get back to the map. I got uh, yeah. So yeah, these gay guys had actually brought in a fireplace from a chateau in not in France, but in one of those you know weird countries like Romania, right? They're like a eh, chateau Romania, and I'm like, yeah, eight thousand bucks. F- they're like fuck you know that one just that one just went it was what's known as a mixed use building so i'm like what the fuck are you guys doing to the bank you want to give these guys a residential mortgage when it has a an an office like not even just a home office but a but an architectural firm on the main floor of the building then you want me to say it's a house (laughs) right you know like fuck off this this is the shit robank used to do Well, he's got very, very, very important clients. Yes, I know. Clearly, clearly they're important because you fucking don't observe any of the rules that you're supposed to fucking use when you're lending out a residential mortgage. You lend out money and your collateral is a guy's house that you can sell. This time you're lending out money and the collateral is an office building, (laughs) right? Right? All right, But you've lent out the loan To guys At an interest rate That's You know That isn't as high risk As what it is That we've got here Because we don't even have an office building That we can sell to people who want an office building Because on top of the fucking Or join of the office building Is also this Fucking one of a kind home So who the fuck wants that Only another Extremely rich person who wants to move his whole firm into the ground floor of his house. So he's got to convince his fucking wife that, hey, don't worry about it. You know, I'll be right downstairs. And his wife's like, so then you're saying I've got to fucking, you know, go to the bank, get cash out of the bank and then go with the fucking pool boy to get some dick. Because now you're not even at work in your office downtown, where I can get banged in my bedroom like I always do every day by the pool man. Now you're in the same building all the time. So now, you know, the wife is going to be like, fuck off, right? We're not buying this. I don't want you to be watching enemy to the next guy. Oh, okay. Then the next guy's like, well, there's this custom home in Toronto. It's amazing. And then we walk in, and they're like, "Wait a second, who's? What is this a condo? Because the main floor has got a building, your office in it. No, no, that's part of the house." And they are like, Shh. okay." <laughs> and it's on Young Street, so it's basically in the middle of other office buildings. So these guys have chosen to to live in what they call their home, but it's 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 effectively. You're living in an apartment building, but you've decided to live in an apartment building all by yourself, right? But you're still surrounded by next door is just, you know, an insurance building. And the next door is a skyscraper full of offices. That's how apartment buildings downtown New York are, right? But you can't call this your house or your residence because then where's the backyard, right? Where's your neighbors, What happens on a Saturday afternoon, where where do you you go for tea next door? No, because on Saturday afternoon, it's just businesses open. You don't have a neighbor that actually sleep, that you can go to at 9 p.m. at night next door for, for sugar. You've got, everything's closed down and you're in the middle of a fucking central business district. And, 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 and then you want me to appraise this house to sell to the market that's the kind of shit that I fucking you know I was like yeah fuck Trudeau. full of retards like if I'm a real banker I'd be like oh go well, fuck off this this thing that you have right I'm not interested in lending you money against it because it's, it's I don't know what it is but I don't give a shit it has no value to me if I end up with it what am I gonna do with it right it's like you going hey I need a hundred bucks from you, right? Here's a pencil. Can you give me the hundred bucks? You know, yeah. I paid like $5,000 for this pencil, right? You know, because it's whatever. This is effectively what bankers should tell people. Or when, you know, if you're so rich that you can afford something so custom, don't come to me for a fucking loan for your, for anything. You should have more money, To this pit you sunk it into. That's the ultra-rich, you know. Going to the bank for a loan, you know, and having these ultra-huge houses. Why the fuck are you going to go to the bank for a loan? Well, obviously, because you're going to put in a business. If you were to take out a business loan, it would be a business loan and a business interest rate. That's why they, all the rich people, just their whole business is financed by their homes. Uh, Hold on a second, I will get to young street young street is the longest street in the world you know that if you fyi FYI, Young street extends from lake shore lake ontario and if you start off and you just drive north you end up i think going past berry you end up on the shores of lake simcoe i think or some lake you just end up in a in a lake so if you go if you start it if you start at one end of Young Street, you're starting at a lake. And if you start at the other end of Young Street, you're starting at a lake, a body of water. Right? And it's the longest street in the world because it's called Young Street. But there's boulevard is longer than it. There's road's longer than it. Right. The minute they ch- if you change the name to Young Road, it is no longer the longest, you know, road in the world. Hold on. Out on a second. Young Street, okay, so, now, wait for, oh man, you no know maps, maps, okay, front and young, going up Carlton, on young street, ladies and gentlemen, boom, Davenport, oh, right here, right here, what's this, Ramsden, no, this park is too big, it's fine, come on, where are these gay guys, come on, gay boys, there you go, hit it, Dill. Oh, no, maybe not Delilah, Avenue. that's something else, hold on, what is this? I think I've gone too far, oh, this is all looks very familiar, very familiar to me, I can't believe I have this memory, still still freaking serving me, where the hell am I man, just show me where St Clair is, you know I hate downtown so much, I don't, even, I don't even care to even remember the roads, fucking downtown Toronto full of fucking Indian restaurants owned by dummies. Nothing, and then they sell the same kind of shit you find in Indian restaurant. You know how like the British always like curry is a favorite, right? You ask an Indian guy to eat that curry that they call curry, and he's like, "Where's the curry?" (laughs) This thing's just yellow because you put you know fucking that 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 yellow shit that everyone says is good for you. Some, Some 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 crap that you know some herb and turns it yellow, but it's still not curry flavor. That, that's what curry is to British people. Oh, you don't know, love curry. Yeah, you don't eat curry. You just eat yellow meat. a it? My gay friend from England, too. Yeah, but come on, really. Curry. <laughs> you know, turmeric, yes, that's a turmeric. I think you guys are mistaking. Anything that's that's been that's a significant amount of turmeric to a British person is curry <laughs> Yes Okay I have no idea maybe rams so okay fuck Hold on a second let's see if I find Saint Clair Avenue Now 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 Okay now let's see Doot all this stuff looks very very okay I'm gonna have to go with. Oh, I think I oh, know. Okay, come on, come on, come. Dude, uh, just find Toronto life and look for <laughs> young street architects. Build custom, convert five store building. Oh, fuck. Hold on a second. Again for you guys. Drink water. Okay. Let's see. We're gonna. I can't believe you guys are just sitting here quietly. <laughs> oh the, bam! Right on the fucking money. Shit, I'm looking at it. A uh, hello. Okay, so at the corner of Ramsden Park Road, on the northwest corner of Ramsden Park Road and Young Street is a building that looks like two similar buildings attached to each other over a central courtyard. Let me get the number of this I think it's ten fifty young Come to Papa. Come on. I can't believe it. 1040 Young Street, maybe? I'll do in a minute. Let me go back to the thing. I'll say... In this area... Search for... Architects. <laughs> Boom! Yeah, fucker. Come on, motherfucker. Come on, let's see. Jesus Christ. Paul Raff. I'm sure these guys have sold and got the hell out of there. Because it was a money pet. What the? Okay, Architects, firm... Okay, architect, firm Come on, ready. Boom. I see something that says W M Z. But these things that are popping up. Okay, W's M Z H Architects. Jesus Christ. Fucking certainly not this. Anytime we get these fucking clowns from who not you know. This, uh, I shouldn't be insulting. I was just gonna make a really ignorant racist statement about a group of people holy okay whatever whatever there you go it's 1050 young street somewhere there and it's on the north west corner all right for anybody who cares look it up find out the address for this it's and it was featured in toronto life magazine right and they said it was worth i don't know 90 million i told them fucking suck it think they're not even gonna sell for seven million you fucking idiots you know i love you guys you guys are gay sweet guys but you know you don't just go in in the middle of a friggin' minefield and build your dream home and then say yeah, I can sell it to anybody no you just like the sound of exploding children it's like you just you know love to care for all the limitless kids in your area this doesn't mean everyone else wants to live there yeah dirt day- geek. <laughs> what what is is the fact that they were gay led them down this, this dark path of of being that that, that house was, was really nice. And you know, gay gay guys, man, they're always the nicest people. They make you feel welcome in their homes. You know, like they're just friendly, there's normal people. You know, it doesn't matter how rich they are. Okay, so, we got it, okay, so, uh, hold on, oh shit, I was, I was actually doing something else, while blabbering, let me get back to where, where, where we were talking about, so, Young Yonge Street, so right on Yonge like, the Scouse accent is, uh, uh, let's get a book, let's go to the library, and read a book, Liverpool Scouse accent, they have a, oh, to things, so right on the corner, if you come after breakfast, right on the corner there's a there's a there's a park called ramsden park on the west side of young street north of belmont on the northwest corner of ramsden park road and young street you will see a building that looks like two buildings standing side by side but attached at the back and then there's a central courtyard that is the building owned by those two guys Right now, there's a store called Clementine's Women's Clothing Store. It's located there. It is 1050 Young Street. So I don't know if the the gay guys have just you know sold that part of the house to them, but it was yeah, the house. It was hard work. So I decided to quit that fucking career. But now I'm going to end by talking about rich people who are comfortable being rich and earned it. Earned their wealth Versus people who Got rich by doing nasty things Well, that's what the actual point Of the second part That just led into all this shit But yeah there you go If anybody listens to this And cares about this There you go So one on Highland Crescent 1050 M Street And then Joe Botello Built a house On a hill in Caledon somewhere And that guy was a gentleman And a just a, a great guy And he's Portuguese So the best builder in fucking Toronto. Custom homes. is not an Italian. Okay. It's not even. In my opinion. An Armenian guy. It's a Portuguese guy. By the name of Joe Botella. That's. And I'll stake my life on it. If you want shit. Done. You can go to this guy. He'll just be like. Building a brick wall at the corner. Because. Yeah. People pay him. And he likes to work. But. You know. If you've got the money. To build a. A wall that, you know... The gods will send, You know, will step... Step off a throne to come down and look at. You got the money... He'll build you that wall. No one else can. Nobody. Let's Stain my goddamn life on it. Joe Botello. And that's it. And I'll be back for the conclusion of this. <laughs> and if you listen to this and find it interesting, then... Thank you. Um, for... Be interested. Oh, yeah, shutting down.